In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. This show will attempt to find the good, the bad, and the weird, and convey them in a seriously irreverent way. Get ready, adventurer, and as always, we apologize for the inconvenience. Hi, I'm Steven. I'm Aaron. And I'm John. We are at the 41st annual Paseo Arts Festival. And this is the 41st? Just the 41st is one. Really? Yeah. yeah, downstairs in the basement, we actually have the posters from all the uh, festivals hanging on the wall in our office or our conference room. Now, that would be a cool, like for the 50th. 50th Paseo Arts Festival to bring all those out and just do like a big collage of them. Yeah. That would be really cool. Now, is the basement what used to be the swimming pool? Yeah. Is it? It's interesting. Um, the uh, We don't have a full history of the plunge. So everything we know, almost everything we know about this building is from people who've been here. And a lot of those, and it's been, it was closed since 1979. So a lot of those stories are from people who haven't been here in decades upon decades. Right. So I think there was a pool upstairs. Um, and then I guess there was another pool downstairs, but I don't really know. And then all this could be speculation and it could be just people just misremembering. Right. So we've got a book out that we're trying to gather as many stories as we can from people as they come in that grew up in this neighborhood and know this building. Uh, and we're trying to cobble together everything, but yeah. So, uh, we need to find some, uh, some old photos too. Of, I've we're seen trying all the different stages when it was a pool. Didn't someone show maybe, us that? Maybe yeah, see if Rachel can dig up uh, some old photos. Yeah, we're we're pretty desperate. Yeah, we're pretty desperate for photos. So like that's something we always ask is like, do you have any old photos? Yeah, we can ask Rachel for those. Yeah, and everybody's like, well, no, not really. Like that was seventy years ago, so I don't exactly have those <laughs> laying around. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Well, it's cool to think that in this neighborhood there used to be a huge public swimming pool that anybody could go to. Uh-huh. We don't have that today. Well. So the um, we have a, a guy, Daryl, who is in charge of the construction of this whole building. Um, he's African-American. And, and he told me as we were in here, he's looking around. I was like, Dude, we're just looking over the building. And he was like, yeah, I actually wasn't allowed to swim here whenever I was growing up. Wow, really? So not so everybody. It, it kind of has a little bit of that dark history to well, it. Well, I mean, that's just, you know, that's just America, it, really. Yeah, it was, and But it's, it's interesting. Like, that, that's fascinating. And it's like that, that's how close it was. Like what, years, what years was it a swimming pool? Um, okay, so in the 1930s was when it was originally built with the rest of the uh, neighborhood uh, as this neighborhood was being put together. And it was an open-air swimming pool for a couple of decades. Then I believe in the during the polio epidemic, whenever they were shutting down all the public swimming pools, this one got shot down oh, as well. that's right. Okay. And then they reopened it with a roof on top of it. And it had a couple of different names uh, through that. The Plunge was one of those names. The Paseo Plunge was like Bahama Surf Club or something like that at one point. Then it got closed down again in the early 70s, maybe late 60s. And they just decided they want to change concept. It was a rock venue that supposedly was called the Yellow Submarine, but might have been called something else. That's a good name. Uh, and that was in that was for a little bit, and then then, sp- then they turned it into the Spaghetti Factory. After that, that's right. Thank you so much. Um, and the Spaghetti Factory actually it was a restaurant on the first floor, 
But on the second floor, there's actually a ramp you can drive up. And that was where the first fleet of food trucks would load up spaghetti factory food and then take it out into the city. So you can still, we actually still have cars parked up yeah, there. I've yeah, seen that. yeah, it, it's fascinating. This now is to such give people a weird an idea of what the Paseo Plunge building is, this is the big the building in Paseo where, like, you see it across from Paseos that has the balcony. Yeah, Picasso's. Uh, Picasso's. I'm sorry, what did I say? Paseos. So yeah, across the street from Picasso's, Picasso's restaurant. It used, where we are. It used to be a Galileo's. <laughs> That's right, Galileo's. <laughs> It's the biggest building That's in the funny. in the. It's the, huge. Yeah, and, and nobody. A, you, you don't get that coming in. You, you see the gallery, and you're like, "Oh, this is pretty big." Yeah, and, not coming in, but the, on that north side, if you just go down that alleyway, you can get a, a good mm-hmm. view of just how large this building actually is. Uh-huh. But you can't really see the basement in it either. So yeah. go ahead and introduce yourself. Oh yeah, uh, my name is Charles Martin. I'm the building manager of the Paseo Plunge. I'm also the creative director of Literati Press. We have our bookshop in uh, in the in the plunge in the front side of the plunge. And uh, also a novelist, and we also have our Literati Book Club podcast as well with Kristen Grace. And Kristen, who is supposed to be here, is not able to be with us. So in lieu of that, we have Michael. I, I was option number two. <laughs> but we'll take it. You were gung-ho. I edit the podcast. So anyways, thanks for jump, jumping in. You kind of gave me a little bit of assistance here with uh, Stephen's audio recording equipment that we're using. Yeah, so, I do what I can, and what I can do is really not much, but I like hitting buttons. Hey, we're going, though. So this this is the first episode we've done with that. Stephen, Charles is filling in for Stephen. Yay! Well, he takes a well-deserved break, but now that you're a podcaster, you're more than qualified to fill in for him, right? Ooh, I don't know about that. <laughs> we, ha- we haven't gotten our uh, identification cards as podcasters yet. Right. We're not part of the union. <laughs> <laughs> the podcasting union. <laughs> yeah, there's not one of those yet, is there? Right. Um, but I had the recent pleasure of being on an episode of your podcast. Yeah, it was great. Oh, that was so much fun. You and Kristen and I talked about um, violence and literature and mm-hmm. kind of did it with the setting of uh, Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. That'll so tell be- us about that. Tell us about your podcast. So... Because we have a, a bookshop that is heavily curated, um, and uh, Kristen and I are avid readers, uh, Kristen Grace, who is uh, one of the writers for Literati, and she's worked with us for a while, we wanted to do a uh, podcast just kind of ad- talking about some of the books that we had, but then we had the idea that um, there's a lot of kind of creator down looking podcasts, but what we wanted to do was look at uh, reader driven podcast. So basically we wanted to do something talking about the relationships that readers have with their books. Um, so rather than really talking too much about the, the author behind it, talking about like, okay, so whenever you read a book, it is, you form a, a, an emotional bond with that, that lasts for, you know, that's true. It could be, you know, a couple of really strong days or it could be a couple of weeks could be a couple months sometimes a couple of years that you forever yeah yeah, that you're intermingling with this story and the first time i read that i shrugged i think it took two years (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and so this is and sometimes like it's like it's kind of a love affair that you have with a piece of art that's not that's not that's kind of unique because you don't really have that in in any other as you know and definitely there are albums that i love there are you know visual art that i love but reading it is the most active medium you, you can't do anything else. You know, you're stuck with this book, just you and this book for hours and hours and hours at a time. And if you get distracted away from it, you know, you, you, you're, you're lost. So you, that connection that you have with these books and the way that they can, you know, change your lives, that's what we wanted to make the podcast about. Yeah. And there's nothing like, like finishing a book. The accomplishment from finishing a book is like, like way greater than finishing an album or a movie or a show. This is true. 
Because we typically will listen to albums repeatedly, mm-hmm. and then we'll typically watch a movie that we love two, three, in the case of Interstellar, a hundred times. <laughs> I saw um, that recently. It's great. But uh, yeah, I love Interstellar. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of times with books, books may be the medium that is re-experienced the least frequently. I know some people have their favorite books and they'll read them more than once, but mm. how many times have you, like I've listened to Dark Side of the Moon, I can't tell you how many times. But you know, my favorite book, Sutri, I've only read it once. You know, yeah. and it took a long time to get through it once. So yeah. we spend a lot of time with that book and then carry that one experience with us for oh. a long time. Mm. Well, I think what happens with me, um, Charles, you were talking about you'll spend hours with a book. A lot of times when you do put it down and then you have to maybe, you know, go see family, go to work or something, you will spend quite a bit of time with your mind still in the book, almost yeah. so much so that, like, for instance, if I were to walk out here in the uh, Paseo Arts Festival, kind of imagine the characters from the book I've been reading, like, how they would be interacting out mm-hmm. here in the space, or if I were to run into them. Yeah. just Because there it, are some it, characters out there, for sure. Yeah. And not, not like, intentionally, not like you're intentionally thinking about it, it's just kind of... Your brain is still in that mode, mm. you know, of what's happening in the book. And I think sometimes you might project that in your everyday environment. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you guys do this, but whenever I read a book, I picture people that I know playing the characters or yeah. like, right. pe- like family members or friends or, or who stuff you like might that. cast. Yeah. yeah. Like it's like, yeah. oh, this character is exactly like Bob. Mm-hmm. Bob. Name Bob. Bob. Name. Bob. My uncle Bob. Bob. And you go you, when the book gets made into a movie, you're just like, I imagine Jake Gyllenhaal playing yeah. this role. This doesn't feel right. I'll, I'll do actors sometimes. Yeah, reading a book is also like so against kind of the modern culture because you're delaying satisfaction. Man, you are kidding. So long, so long. Even I'm a I'm a decently fast reader, but there's no way I could consume an entire novel in a day. Nope. There's just no way. And some people can do that. I can't. I'm, I'm lucky if I can get one done in like, you know, four days. Usually oh, man, it takes for me, me a couple weeks. Yeah. For me, it wound up being a month. Yeah. Cause you yeah. And, and so you're delaying the satisfaction of that, of that read for however long it takes. Like, um, infinite jest is one of those ones that I just come back oh, to every once in a while. Have you finished it? Have you ever no. finished infinite jest? Okay. No, I'm, uh, about 500 pages in and then I'll, I'll read it until I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm ready to move on. Then I put it down for a couple of months. So it's going to take me probably a year to whittle, whittle that down to the final page. Uh, but you know, then, and we're talking about like a 1200 page book or more. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a thousand pages. It's, it's a, yeah. About a thousand. I just heard this and I think just, I may, I, a scant thousand, <laughs> a scant, <laughs> but there's yeah, like, know. there's like a, a, a three page description of a tennis ball or something like that. I mean, just, a really uh, mundane object being it, excessively it, the the described. writing is beautiful in that book, but I would like to get past seventy pages and be talking about something else <sighs> or being in a different scene. I think that would be nice. That's something that I expect from books that may be a little too much to expect from Foster Moving Wallace. On a little bit. Yeah, whenever yeah. people come in and and they ask for David Foster Wallace, <laughs> we uh, we don't we don't even have a copy of Infinite Jest in the store because uh, unless you've read a lot of David Foster Wallace. You do not need to read Infinite Jest. That should not be your first book because that I like is, it that you just don't even carry it. Right? That's not even a not no, even not, an We will it, once yeah. you once you've proven yourself, we'll bring in a copy. You actually, you, you actually you, you keep it upstairs. In yeah. the box. <laughs> and like when they're when they're ready for it, then you lead them up there. You open the box. Like, 
I made the mistake of starting with Infinite Jest, but I really should have started with Consider the Lobster. Yeah, Consider the Lobster. It, it's short. It's uh, yeah. essays. So it's a really great What's way that to one? Yeah, there's one you've got sitting over here. Um, uh, uh, interviews with Hideous Men. Yeah, Interviews with Hideous Men. Hi- so let's man. talk about how the, the Paseo Plunge bookstore works. I, I love the fact that it, there's not just books in here. There's also art in here. Mm-hmm. There's furniture in here. Um, but this isn't just a bookstore that carries a wide variety of books. So you can come in and say, oh, I'm coming in here to get a copy of To Kill a Mockingbird because I need it. You come in here because this is a curated bookstore. Right. What does that mean? Um, so every everything... We can't out Amazon, Amazon. Um, no. So we, we're never going to be able to carry enough books to beat what they do. But also... You're not going to be worth $84 billion? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we also... I like going into labyrinths of used bookstores and you just kind of wander and wander and wander. But that's a very specific experience mm-hmm. that I don't do very often. Usually, um, whenever I don't have a, a specific agenda for a book, I want to I want to talk to somebody who, who knows things that I don't. Um, whenever I go to record shops, whenever I go to out to eat, I like asking knowledgeable staff and right. like, what do you like? So that's kind of the way it is here. We don't have a lot of room for books. We're going to grow a little bit, but we're always going to be on the smaller side. So we want to make sure every book in here, we know why it's here. Mm-hmm. It's been vetted. Uh, we have little um, bookmarks in the books as, that we continually try and refresh as we sell the books that have our explanation of why it's there. And so if somebody comes in and says, I'm looking for a new book, we can say, well, what do you normally like? And then we can give them specific recommendations off off of our shelf. And, you know, if somebody comes in or like, you know, I'm into Marvel and DC or I'm into, you know, photography books or something like that, we can say, well, that's not necessarily what we specialize in, but here are some bookstores in the area that do. Um, and we have a focus on cerebral and progressive fiction and nonfiction and comics. So we have a very narrow strike zone, but I like the idea of the small bookstores sprinkled throughout the city that, uh, one won't have everything, mm-hmm. but between them, you kind of know where to go. We had another new one open up down on Walker, the Commonplace yeah. Books. Have it's, you been there it's yet? A good Do you store. know who that is? It's a good story. Yeah, actually, yeah, I've, uh, a couple of them are friends, um, and I, I really dig the layout of their store. It's it's a beautiful bookstore. Well, well that's happened? 13th and Walker. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah Midtown. Edge. Yeah, yeah, right there on the edge. They used to be uh, like a block and a half mm-hmm. south of that. They when they they moved to a new location, and it's. Uh, you know, between them, Full Circle, uh, and then you have some of the really great comic book shops that we have, uh, Empire Strikes, New World, mm-hmm. Speeding Bullet down in Norman. Uh, even Second Chance over in Bethany is really is really great. So, And there's a couple of other little bookshops. There's one um, in the uh, new Black Wall Street uh, development that they're uh, putting on the east side of 23rd that it's it's small. But if they stick at it and try and grow it out, it would be an awesome addition to that neighborhood. So I, I, I like that we're kind of because of the collapse of the book industry, mm-hmm. it has returned us to the neighborhood bookstore model. And I know that Amazon is looking at doing Amazon stores and there's, you know, still Barnes and Noble and there's some half price books and that's fine. But like the neighborhood bookstores, like, you know, if you know what you want, get it online. But if you don't like do you if you want to just come in and have a really good conversation with staff, you know, you come to one of our stores because you know, that's what we're here for. We're, uh, Kristen calls, calls our, calls us book concierges. 
That's I, I like that book yeah. concierge. Yeah. That's good. I'm sure we. I'm sure she stole it from somebody. Must have. <laughs> but that's okay. It was fine. Don't want to give her credit for anything good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ouch. Yeah. Fair enough. Sorry, Kristen. He treats all of his staff that way. Oh, all of his staff. Oh, now we're now we're now we're moving into wafty after dark. Confessions <laughs> coming out now. Michael's also my son, so there's a deserved angst there. The cat's out of the bag on the podcast. <laughs> oh, we get it now. But just sitting here behind the table, looking out at the at the bookshelves, I mean, it's it's very recognizable. It, um, amazing books. I mean, you've got your Cormac McCarthy collection here. You got some Kirk Vonnegut, you see Tignataro, and then even down here, this cool copy of Machiavelli's The Prince. Yeah. And local author Shelby Simpson, and there's Kite Runner. It's, you know, even though it, there's just a small handful of shelves here, like looking through it, that's, that's already a fan. There's Girl with All the Gifts. I've got that on my bookshelf. Yeah. And that's fantastic. Well, and that's one of the things that I love is whenever I go into shops, whenever I see you know, some of the landmarks and I'm like, Oh wait, this is my place. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's cool. If like, you know, somebody comes in here and like, well, I'm, you know, none of these sound interesting. I was like, you know, there's other bookstores. That's great. Like, I think that's awesome. Um, and there's room for all of us. And so, but I like, you know, we have a lot of books here that you're not going to see at other places because yeah. we have a very specific focus. And whenever somebody comes in and they're like, <gasps> You know, that's what we're looking for. Well, I mean, you've got all of our local authors represented in here as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We, yeah. We've, and we, uh, we're just as, uh, we're just as p- picky about the local stuff that we bring in as well. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that if it's an Oklahoma book, we are proud to put it in somebody's hand because they're, you know, it's hard enough to get Oklahomans to read anything. <laughs> and then getting Oklahomans to read other Oklahomans is even more difficult. It so is. if you give them an Oklahoma book to an Oklahoman and that book is not good, they may never read another Oklahoma book ever again. Exactly. So, yeah. So we, we have to make sure that we're proud of every book that we have. Well, I did notice you have what you have an Oklahoma author section. Is it over here? Um, it's, uh, it's kind of silted in. We, well, I saw that you had, uh, Jim Thompson, that was the first right Oklahoma author. I oh yeah, that reading. back that back down there. Yeah, yeah. Chris, Kristen reorganized recently, so I forgot. Oh where yeah, she there had it stuff. is. Okay. And then we've got other Oklahoma stuff that's not even in that section, which I guess we should need because we got like the Bluesman and mm-hmm. uh, some uh, really great Oklahoma comics. Heathen's not even over there, and that was the 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 big comic that we launched that uh, is now with Vault Comics. But yeah, so we I I like. Um, so whenever uh, Ferris O'Brien was starting the spy, restarting the spy restarting, for like, yeah, you know, the third or fourth time <laughs> and we were talking about local talent, he he, he made a good point that he didn't want to uh, put Oklahoma music in kind of a little gulag where, you know, it's just sectioned off for the rest of the music. What he wants is he wants to have Oklahoma music strong enough to stand with everything, with everything else that else. we're playing so that like you can hear a bunch of songs and then whenever you hear Oh, and that song's from an Oklahoma musician. Are like, oh my goodness! So you know, that's kind of the way we are too. Is we want we want to put the the strong Oklahoma titles that we believe in with the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So you don't like. I like that. Yeah. So you we can trick you into buying Oklahoma. Books. Yeah, and we section out the Oklahoma books for the not as good ones. <laughs> that's not true. It's what you said. It means it's kind of true. But Jim Thompson and Essie Hinton, like that's like oh, those, those are those are our luminaries. Those yeah. are our luminaries. Yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> they are. Um, and Bill Wallace. Uh, you remember, oh yeah, do you remember Bill Wallace, yeah. the, the children's uh, author? dog called Kitty. Um, remember was, that book? No. 
So uh, it's it's probably his one of his most well known books. Um, but I loved a dog called Kitty when I was in grade school, and I went to UCO in the late '90s, got my English degree there, and every once in a while. Um, somebody, one of the professors from the department would bring an author through to sit in on a class with us or give a talk. And um, I think it was my Comp 2 English class brought in Bill Wallace. That's like, cool. Are you kidding me? This is going to be so awesome. And, you know, I made up all these images in my head of what Bill Wallace looked like, like this uh, distinguished gentleman and, you know, like a tweed coat. And, right. and he shows up and he just looks like somebody's grandpa. And he only talked for 20 minutes. He's like, I got to go outside and smoke. <laughs> and he smoked um, Marlboro Light 100s wow. and just chain smoked him. And so I went outside and just chain smoked Bill Wallace. Like, this is really not what I thought of as a kid getting to meet one of my favorite authors was chain smoking with him outside of the local university. Yeah. <laughs> I was completely only somewhat related. Um, I'm blanking on the name, but the author of The Last Unicorn. Um, I was setting up at a convention in Texas and he had. And as I was sitting up, I looked over and I was like, there we had a bunch of lost unicorn stuff in the booth next to me. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, what's this about? Or like, oh, yeah, the author is going to be signing here. It's like right next to me. Are you kidding? And like uh, <laughs> he came in. Yeah, it was just like a nice, like, you know, well, me, well-meaning uh, older gentleman. And he had just recovered the rights of it. So he was going back and starting to push it again. He had got a new comic done for it. Wasn't there like a cartoon movie made out yeah, of it in it the was. 80s? Yeah, And it was amazing. It's pretty and good. What was really great about it was there was just this line that never ended through the whole convention of people that every single one of them had in a, had a uh, a story about how much they were moved. Like there was this huge guy that was like six foot six and just kind of like, intimidating. And he came in and just gushed about like he didn't have a strong mother or father figure, but he had the last unicorn. And I was just... Wow. It's just like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going <laughs> to cry. You, you and this six foot six guy are yeah. hugging each other, bawling. <laughs> yeah. And just what, how would it like, and then he would just smile and you just thank them for their stories. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'll ever write anything that'll have that impact. And that was kind of depressing, but also amazing that, that there's just something there. And I got to like witness it for, you know, three and see, that's what's days. crazy. Like you say that about yourself, but don't cut yourself short. Like, you know, the guy who wrote the last unicorn may have never thought that it would have that kind of impact right. on people. Until it actually got out into the world yeah. and began getting read by people. Yeah, and the people who think that their stuff is going to have that kind of impact on people mostly never does. Mostly, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so we are sitting behind the counter here in the Paseo Plunge, and we're, this is the second day of the Paseo Arts Festival. And it's, today's yesterday was hot, but today is freaking perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. We can, hear, um, we can hear the North, band, the North Stage bands mm-hmm. playing right now. So we got the music wafting in. Yeah. Um, all the artists set up with us at, or in front of us. Have you guys gone out and explored the Arts Festival yet? Was there anything that's really stuck out this I, year? I rode my bike through earlier today. Uh, there's a couple of artists that uh, come back every year that I really like. Um, it's part of running a building is meaning you're trapped here the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, the Paseo Arts Festival is really, it's an art festival that has kind of existed in this form for longer than any, you know, the, than the other festivals yeah, around. You know, the form of the Paseo, it doesn't really change. It's yeah. Yeah. It's a spirit, you know, it's been kind of a part of this ingrained and in it's almost from the beginning because the first art gallery in the state was in this, in this neighborhood. So it was mm-hmm. always meant to be an arts district. Um, and this draws 
the Passé Arts Association does a really good job of curating the artists coming in. Um, and it, it, it is an art festival in a true arts district, which gives it just a different kind of flavor. The neighborhood, everybody in the lit neighborhoods around here ha- value this kind of culture. So it, it's, it's a really cool crowd to be around. It and is. It's, it's kind of nice that it's a Saturday, Sunday, Monday one on a Memorial Day weekend, too. So it feels very relaxed. Nobody's mm-hmm. rushing through. Uh, last year we had storms, so it's nice yeah, that we got a break. You know, it seemed like we were going to have that yesterday, and it right. just got so hot. And then yeah. today, this is probably the nicest day I've ever experienced the Paseo Arts Festival because I've been yeah. I've lived near it now since 2009, yeah. and I make it the point of my every Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. I don't make any plans to do anything else. Mm-hmm. I spend the whole weekend here interacting with the neighborhood, yeah. with all my friends yeah. here, and yeah. it's it's my one of my favorite activities in Oklahoma yeah. City. And today, like I can't wait. Like, we're going to be done here. We're going to go pack all this stuff up. Right. And then I'm going to come back here. I'm going to start eating yeah. all the food trucks. And then tonight, when you know when it starts cooling off, get the drinks and just yeah. kick back and watch bands. Oh, yeah. yeah. Have you have you had Holy Rollers next door? I haven't. They're oh. so good. Yeah, the Holy Rollers donuts. Just, God, their stuff no, is No, are they going to be a permanent fixture in there? Yeah. Yes. No, really? Yeah. 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 This is a soft opening for them. Basically, wow. they're just... We're doing this this weekend just so people see it. Then they're going to move everything back out, and they're going to start construction. Um, and so very soon we'll finally have another coffee shop in the Paseo because we haven't had one since the 90s. Paseo's going to have the donut coffee shop, finally, yeah. that it's always and the needed yeah. by the bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, I think I'm moving in. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. It's, it's weird. You think that with a neighborhood like this, there would be a coffee shop somewhere here. I, know, I, right? I don't think there is. Yeah, Medina's was the last one that we had. Medina's, the closest, that's right. Yeah. The clo- Holy cow. The closest one we have is Red Cup, and that's all the way like yeah. past. And Red like, Cup's fantastic, yeah. but yeah, it's something within walking distance would be really I mean, nice. And it needs to be here on the street, you yeah, know, right street. in the yeah. middle of everything. Well, and it was, a bit, it was something that was part of the original plan this was always what we were right yeah that we bought a bunch of tables and chairs just specifically for that years and years ago whenever john was first converting the building but it Mm -hmm. you know these things take time but and we're very lucky that it took time because holy rollers is a perfect fit for this for this building and whenever that deal finally went through i was just like yes um but you know and the paseo is just such a fun microcosm uh there's so many just little facets of just the art community that happen in here. Like there's Michael is like uh, a regular at like one of the most positive, impressive open mics that I've ever seen down at, 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 at Sauce, which is just down the street uh, that way, which He's I'm pointing gonna, right now. I'm pointing <laughs> on, on a podcast. So I'm going to, I'm just going to talk to in visual references. Well, that's a great podcast name. Yeah. Cool pointing, shirt, man. Pointing on a podcast. <laughs> pointing on a yeah. <laughs> So if you look over there, yeah. <laughs> just, what's that podcast about? It's just a lot of people pointing, it, right. but you don't know where they're pointing. So it's like it, that Mitch Hedberg bit where he just says, I'm just going to do visual jokes on an <laughs> album. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, what, um, I didn't know Sost was doing an open mic night. Yeah, yeah, tell, what tell is it? What do you do? Uh, I uh, used to do comedy. I'm kind of like on a unofficial hiatus which I'm using that term because I'm pretty important, but I do, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I do comedy awesome. sometimes and I'm working on music right now. I'm in a band that no one knows about because we've been a band for three months. He told me a little bit about it. Our code name is Project Guava. 
Project Guava. Project Guava. Project Guava. Guava G-U-A-B-A, right? Yes. So that was the band doing open mic night stuff? No, yet? we get together every Saturday and do various <laughs> things, some of which are musical, and um, we just kind of work on stuff and hang out. We want to put out a project, yeah, but that's, that's way down in the future. The band members, it, it's kind of a weird... Uh, collection. Yeah. It's uh, Gabriel Galeer, who is a classical composer. He played, you guys played yeah. on the show, and he yeah. played a song yeah. on the show that was yeah. fantastic. And then uh, Jarvix, who is... Uh, Ukulele, quirk pop, mixed with hip-hop, mixed with uh, <laughs> urban beats, mixed with whatever else you can think of. He really doesn't have a filter on what he wants to do. Yeah, he has the most impressive baseball cap collection in America. Well, really? <laughs> yeah. I like oh, baseball yeah. caps. His, yeah. His hats are impressive. He has straw hats. He has a Pikachu hat, and I'll take that one too. He wears <laughs> he wears ties, button up shirts, and baseball hats every day, all the time. Huh. Then, but he, then, it, then it that's works. Jarvix. Yes, Jarvix. Jarvix. And you can follow him on Instagram as Jarvix Schmarvix. Yeah, and he 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 plays he plays live quite a bit around Oklahoma City, he, and he, he it, it it's a great show. Oh yeah, does ukulele fed into a looper pedal so yeah. it can stack it on top of itself? And he's gotten to a point where his songs are so beautiful and lush now that it's just kind of insane that he can do that with just a single loop pedal. Yeah, he just builds the song as he goes. Michael has uh, kind of more of a, I don't know, a guitar uh, indie pop kind of structure to his music. So you've got just highly experimental on one side, classical on another side, and then Quirk pop slash stuff that Jarvik does. It's it's a weird mash. Yeah. So they're trying to find their sound. So what what does it all sound like right now when all that comes together? It sounds like whatever we want to do that day. Okay, uh, so it's different Ga- each time because yeah, Gabe wanted to do some weird um, trance techno music um, yesterday. That fun. So that was cool. It's not my favorite, but he liked it, so that's good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we we're working on chord progressions now. We're working on harmonies, trying to do actual like songs and stuff. And we're, we just set up a microphone in our recording session. So it's like, let's just do something different. And then once we got all our ideas, we'll come back and revisit it and flush them out. Yeah. Now, did you study music in high school? Is that your background? I took a um, music appreciation course for an easy credit. And that's my education <laughs> on music. And I have a music theory book that I never opened. So I think I'm pretty qualified, you guys. That qualifies you. Then, you know, you can... You can I, learn by osmosis on those types of books. I right. own a book, so I'm pretty <laughs> oh, you know, I, got, I got a book about it. <laughs> just yeah. just put it under your pillow and sleep on it every night. I will just absorb, soak up. Just, just pushing it against my face. He's I don't doing a visual joke it. right now, by Again. the way. Again, I'm, 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 I should do like a podcast where I just don't talk. Right. A mime podcast. <laughs> a mime podcast. <laughs> like I don't know the difference between a microphone and a camera. So have you been out to see any of the bands that have been playing here? Because we no. got how many stages we've got? We've got the south Two. stage going and the north stage going. No, I went straight from my car to here because I don't like most people, but I saw some yeah, tents right and I was you. like, "There's some cool shade." <laughs> There's some cool like shade. the idea of shade. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Bosley played last night. There, I, I think Say Bosley. Yeah, they they're. Oh one man, of, we like Bosley. Yeah, one of my favorite Oklahoma yeah. City acts right the now. First band we ever oh, had yeah. on our podcast. Uh, Judith played last night as well, which, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, they're, uh, pretty much family to literati Yep, and yeah, and they're another one of those kind of bands that everybody's looking at right now, but it's, yeah, mostly I just hear the cello guy. You just hear the cello guy. Mostly that's just what I do. (laughs) I sit in my, I sit in my bookstore and listen to the cello guy and he's, he's great. We've got the regular, uh, the regular Paseo guitar 
busker guy. I don't know his name. The yeah. older guy with the long gray hair. Uh-huh. Um, you got the metal. Does anybody dr- know his name? I don't know. <laughs> Somebody know? I, yeah, because I, I think mean, he does. You some... always see him here in, in the meta, and the, we got the metal drum kids. I had mm-hmm. to, I had to chase them away because they were on our on our uh, handicap <laughs> ramp. Just took out a couple of pots and just banged them like they were stray cats. We don't have any bucket drummers <laughs> though. We need a bucket drummer. A bucket drummer. Yeah, hey, there's no time buckets. like the present. You got to you got to actualize that that dream. Just <laughs> I got I got a, I got two buckets in the back. We can make this happen. <laughs> Some wooden spoons. I think there's, there, there's the first uh, song lyrics right there. I got two, two buckets, buckets in the, in the back. back. <laughs> two buckets in so the back. So another um, exciting thing going on in Paseo right now that I think a lot of people may have not known was going on is new construction. Yeah. That's yeah, I, uh, New Mexican restaurant coming in. Uh, there's some uh, going to be some gallery switchovers just every once in a while. Like they don't happen often because once you get in them, say you, you really want to stay here. Uh, the plunge itself is going to be bringing in a bunch of new talent. Um, the, our, we'll have our studios all the way around. So the you see the the plunge or the Paseo just like any other thing, any other thing moves in generations. Um, and so every decade you you start seeing just kind of a mix from one, one generation to the next. And the Paseo is in the midst of one of those as well. Uh, but what's really great is we have, uh, the, the leaders of the Paseo that are really earnest about making sure that this remains in our districts and the art focused district. Uh, and they're, they're putting in plans for the long term to make sure that this is the Paseo, is protected in a way that it's never been before mm-hmm. to make sure that the personality remains intact. Right, it's, uh, Joey Belt, yeah, is helping. Do yeah, that. yeah, and it's it's really, um, and because I, you know, she owns the building of which mm-hmm. I manage. We work closely together, and and you know, you get in conversations every once in a while. Uh, well, you see wealth come trying to come into the Paseo, and she's just. You know that money would be easy and it would be nice, but what do you mean uh, by that? Like, like what? Uh, you know, just loft apartments, things like that. Um, uh, like I don't know, chains, like branding, and mm-hmm. all those kind of things that you know is everywhere across the city and across the country. Uh, the kind of things that you know eventually happen to places like Soho, uh, where the artists get pushed out because they can't afford to be it here. Almost feels like kind of yeah. it gets a little sterilized. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of happened to Santa Fe. I think I heard Santa Fe. Yeah. You know, more high dollar artists came in and started yeah. pushing out all the yeah. really local talent. So she, um, her, and um, the Paseo Arts Association and other they 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 are making sacrifices where they could make more money if they wanted to. That money is is right. really available, but they're sacrificing that to keep the Paseo what it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really inspiring to be around. And, uh, yeah, it's cool. It means progress goes a little bit slower, but, um, the progress is positive and rather than just building up fast and then realizing, Oh my God, that was this monstrosity that we've created. Hey, look, this is just another monument to, to money. Right. Yay. Yeah. Neat. Could have made a whole lot of money That's just neat. selling this building to Red Robin and just calling it a day. But right. <laughs> instead, we're going to take four years and do it right. And make it a lot more That's interesting awesome. and yeah. unique. Yeah. It's exciting to be a part of. It is. It, it absolutely is. And I think you're a great choice to curate a local bookstore. Yeah. I think you've done a great job. I mean, I know it's been growing slowly, but I love coming in here. Well, thank you. And you always thank have you. something fascinating. Like, yeah. and, uh, every once in a while when I come in here, i gotta, I got to grab a book. Like, yeah. I think you had a... I had lost a copy of uh, Neil Postman's Amused to Death, and I walked in here, and you just had it sitting on the table one day. Right. It's like, I've been looking for that. Well, Kristen, bringing Kristen in as our, like, 
manager, but concierge was really important because she, I, 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 I've got pretty good taste. I think I've, I'm pretty well read. Kristen's even more so. And we also have a wide collection of, um, readers that we, we really trust. So we reach out to them as well. And it's just like, what books do you love that we don't have? And we, we bring them in and we also have these bookmarks that we have everybody fill out of why they love those I love books reading and those. Them, yeah. So you, you, yeah, any way we can do just to make sure, and we want people to trust what we have on yeah. the shelves and if they can't trust it and they get some, a book that they don't like, they're not coming back. So, yeah. I look, I look forward to the, to Holy Rollers being open and the coffee shop being mm-hmm. open because I just, I'd love sitting in here right now and just seeing all the people walk in and kind of look at the books and knowing that someday I'll be able to do that anytime I want. This is, this will yeah. be my bookstore. Oh, great. Yeah. I'm definitely happy to hear it. Yeah. Uh, so far. Yeah. And we'll, we'll be open pretty much from here on out Tuesday through uh, Sunday, 11 to six. And then once that coffee shop opens up, the, We'll see what the hours do, but we're going to try and keep that six day, six day, six day week going, and hopefully, eventually, be able to do a seven day. Sure. Luckily, yeah. we got we got David and Jennifer Woods. They're helping us keep the shop open. They, uh, Jennifer Woods does the jewelry uh, that's in the shop, which brings so much personality. Uh, just another little added facet to make this look unique. Well, then maybe the possibilities of open mic night performance areas like poetry nights or something Dean Bean scene-ish from back in the day in Shawnee. Dean's Bean scene. Oh, <laughs> goodness. That was, There's some history there because you, yeah. you were familiar with Dean's Bean scene. Oh, we all the Me and John and Charles, did you ever read anything there with uh, Marty Piercy? And- I was there a lot, but okay. I never read. Um, yeah, that I was, in, I was an angsty, sarcastic yes. college student of the 90s at OBU, so yep. Dean's Bean scene was like... So, so maybe... Jack, uh, Jack Craddock and... Uh, who was the other guy? Jim. Uh, Jim Spur. Jim Spur. Jim Spur. Yeah. Um, so I would like to see a, something like that. Could could that happen here? Potentially. Uh, zoning is our biggest issue right now. Uh, we have to get the building zoned uh, for uh, assembly, and once that happens, then we can start uh, doing things. Okay. We have a performance art space that's specifically going upstairs, but we might we'll be able to do little things like that here. But that's whenever the first floor completely opens. But we got to do sprinkler systems. We we got to make sure we do it the the legal way. Sure. Yes. So that sure yeah, know. so that we're we're protected. You get the wrong person to fall on the wrong time, then the whole the whole mm-hmm. building is you know evaporates. So yeah, but that's 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 a plan of something that we'll nice. do down the road. But really, I mean, you know, that kind of again, giving back to sauce, man. That that open mic is really fantastic. They're so. Yeah. The positivity in that open mic is better than any other open mic. Is ever it really? yeah, that, that one's good. District House also has a good open mic. Those are the two main ones. All the other ones uh, are either range from average to really awful. <laughs> I've done some really awful ones. Yeah. Um, tell, uh, tell us about what an, a normal open mic at Sauced is like. A normal open mic at Sauced is, um, is very much like whenever the crowd is a bunch of uh, poetry-esque people. So they're very understanding. Poetry-esque. Poetry-esque people. And they are very, like, even if you're not funny, they'll laugh because it's like, oh, we understand you. But, like, it gets... <laughs> like sympathetic laughter? Uh, no, well, yes, but in a way that's not awful. Because, like, it's one of those, I like... like distinction. It's, it's very much a... Um, 
I'm trying to think of the. They're, it, they're commiserating with you. There's a there's a term for it. I think it's like a treehouse open mic. It's definitely an oh, alt okay. room. That makes sense. Treehouse is very much. Um, treehouse rooms kind of get like a weird rap in the uh, the comedy community where they're seen as the kind of room where um, people will kind of stay there for a while and, uh, and not try and grow out to go into the other alt rooms and eventually clubs. But whenever you're in kind of like a smaller area like Oklahoma City that's not really known for a comedy scene, uh, treehouse rooms and alt rooms like uh, Sauce and District House are kind of uh, what you really want if you want to be able to just kind of do it and have fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to do it and try and make a career, maybe go down to um, uh, the Looney been off of Northwest Expressway or something yeah. like that. Maybe the Othello's open mic at uh, Norman. I think Kyle Kinane actually well, came through and did the Othello's open mic. Not Othello's Norman right now. Oh yeah, they I just yeah. rebuild it. Oh, that's yeah. right. Oh, yeah, maybe, I forgot. Maybe get a hold of the uh, the guys that's, at OKC Comedy. That's right. They yeah. relocated to a um, an open mic down in Edmond at a bar, which is just awful. I did it once, oh, and I'm not going to do it ever again. Which bar do you remember? I don't remember, and I'm probably well, not going to say. I mean, it. I mean, I feel bad because I know the guy who uh, hosts it, but it's it's just a bad location for it. Mm-hmm. Also, Edmond's not zoned for humor. So. No, <laughs> no, it is very it's, much. They're, they're, it's an uphill battle at that point. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's my favorite thing that it, I've heard said about Ed. Yeah, at least, at least Norman's like a college town ish because yeah. you got like buildings. Yeah, and that's where I went to. That's where oh, I went yeah. to college. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you guys are no, go oh, ahead. Okay. <laughs> How are you? So, so where did you go to college? I didn't. You didn't. I'm 17. Oh, okay. I thought you had started. Uh, no. Okay. Uh, no. Are you going to? No, not right now. Okay. I'm not a like. I'm not like a very. No one's pressuring you to like. That's what no. you have to do with the rest of your life. Well, your dad's not like. I got this all planned out for you. <laughs> no, no, I did the online school route. Like I, I totally did the cop out move so I could like do other things. Uh, I'm doing online school next year, but uh, yeah, if I were to do college, I would want to do it out of state. I don't know, Chicago maybe. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be nice. Yeah, uh, Columbia College in Chicago would be like, oh, that's an arts college that I can change my major three times and spend seven <laughs> years at. I changed my major that many times or more. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Where did you go to college at? I went to UCO. UCO. Yeah, studied English at UCO and really enjoyed it. Nice. Um, but it, it never really turned into anything after that. Yeah. Did you uh, graduate? I did. Okay. Yeah, I earned a bachelor's degree in English. Okay. Um, but my, I just, I love books. And my father had a bookstore in Shawnee. Okay. Um, so I, I wish there was a way that I could have made a living off of just being a reader. And yeah. I mean, there, there are things you can do. You can be a teacher. You can be a critic. But I just loved being surrounded by books. Yeah. So that's why I got really excited when your dad when I found out your dad was opening this bookstore here and that there was gonna be a local guy curating books that maybe someday I can just go sit in there and hang out all the time and read. And, oh yeah. And this... then watch guys like you do open mics and Oh yeah. I I really need to get back into performing. I wanna do music at open mics. But like I think this place is really cool. Like we do uh Brunchfist Club every Sunday. That's, what is Brunchfist Club? Tell Brun- us about that. Brunchfist Club is a um kind of a club run by Tony Thunder. And he, a bunch of artists kind of get together in the back art gallery of the um, the bookshop. And they just kind of draw and drink coffee and eat donuts for a couple hours. Um, and now yeah. that there's going to be Holy Rollers, the donuts are going to be really easy to get a hold of. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. I go, I try and make it a point to go to Brunch's Club every Sunday. It's one of my favorite things. You can just kind of sit, drink coffee, and hang out. And, uh, yeah, the people are really cool. Yeah, that's that's something I would love to come check out sometime, and it still goes on, right? Yes, uh, yes, yeah, still goes on every Sunday. Um, 
he uh, Charles is the guy to talk about it more about. But I'm he's busy. he's busy. Yeah, all right. That's a good thing that he's busy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> selling books. I'm selling yeah, a cat magnet. A cat <laughs> magnet. Yeah. yeah. I see a box over there that says cat buttons too. What's, what's the name of the of the kid who buttons? makes the cat yeah, magnets? Yeah. yeah, he's busy. Yeah, he's, I think it's, it's uh, made by a ten year old. Ten year old. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. Max <laughs> is his name. Uh, Alex. Alex. You can cut that part of where I mistake his name. If you can just cut me saying Alex. No, we're not. We're going to leave it right in there. Right there. That's right where you left it. I'm a little. You dropped it. I'm a little irritated, but I respect you. (laughs) (laughs) You've been. uh, You're now getting into editing podcasts. Yeah, I edit the little that a bit. Yeah, and any time that Kristen or uh, Dad makes a joke about, it's like we'll cut it. I don't cut it. So right. I would expect you to do the same for this one. We like to keep it honest, we like to keep it real, and we like to keep it raw. It's right? very much like the WTF podcast where they don't cut anything. Uh, Mark, Mark Maron? Yeah, the way, the way, yeah, the way I try and edit the Literati Book Club is I try and make it a combination between WTF with Mark Maron and uh, This American Life with Ira Glass. Oh, there you go. I like it. That's, that's, that's a, a good, great that's thing a good to template to use. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So what, what other podcasts do you listen to? Uh, um, Cat, uh, Cat Magnets. Uh, it's on Instagram. I think it's... Or cat buttons. I think it's cat buttons. Cat buttons. I think that's, that's what it says over there. It's cat buttons. Let's see. Let's find out for sure. They're super cute. Yeah. Um, hold on. Hold. Hold. Now. <laughs> okay. Right meow. Right meow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, cat under, <laughs> underscore buttons. Yeah. And then the actually the, we probably should start wrapping it up, but I wanted to mention yeah. your handbound book. Oh, yeah. For sale here? Um, Yeah. So we just released, um, I I spent 10 years working on this story. We released the first first of three novels back in 2010. Then it took me all the way up until now to actually finish the story. So we're releasing all three novels all together in one collection. It's called Edward and the Island and it's the Omnibus. Uh, We just released that. We did, uh, we have a traditional perfect bound uh, for 19.99, three novels for 20 bucks, which is pretty great. It's a steal. As long as you like like the, like the story, I guess. Um, and then we also we're doing a new thing with lit, with our in house titles where we're going to do hand bound versions of each one, and it'll be limited runs. So we did a hand bound version of this one. Um, we're, we're selling for sixty bucks. They took about two hours each to make. It was a grueling wow. process, but they're beautiful, and it was absolutely worth it. And we're going to hold on to one of them. And once the bookshop moves elsewhere inside this building, uh, we're going to have the front entry just kind of lined with various handbound books that we've done, oh, uh, to presenting cool. it as an art piece. Because the binding, like, it really is, like, you can do some really impressive stuff with binding, but we kind of lose that because it's all automated now. Uh, so the next one we're doing is the nonprofit Book of Common Prayer uh, that Kristen Grace edited. And she's going to be sewing those by hand, and we're releasing those during our first Friday in June. Very cool. Very yeah. nice. And then just as – it'll be the kind of thing, just as we have more releases coming out, we're, we're going to do a different kind of hand binding for it just because that's – I think it's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. And oddly enough, like with a book as big as that particular one, it, the hand-bound version, it lays flat, so it's actually more comfortable to Yeah, read. the other day I was in here noticing how – easy it was to just lay flat and yeah read comfortably you, you can't crack a spine that's not there that's right mm. <laughs> spineless yeah. books yeah <laughs> nice and uh, tell us again how we can uh, catch um the the new podcast that you and Kristen grace are doing uh we're on we're on soundcloud or you can also uh if you're on iphone you have an iphone just go to i uh, the uh, uh itunes the pod, pod, itunes 
go to the podcast. It's Literati Literati Book Club. Literati Book Club on iTunes. Yeah, and, and then our, our website's uh, literatipressok.com, and then on Twitter, Instagram, we're at Literati Press. All right, and Michael, how can we follow you on social media? I have a Facebook page, I have an Instagram page, and I don't post anything about my art. I just kind of use it every once in a while when I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're still in those teenage angsty years, so. Yeah, it's. I'm, I think I'm a pretty good um, uh, uh, study case. Study case. <laughs> I'm good with words, too, if you ever want those. <laughs> you, use, you use the good words. Right? I have the, I use <laughs> the the, I, only the best words. Only the best, only the best, best words. words. Yes. Well, uh, thank you guys for having us. It's yeah, been a pleasure sitting here and enjoying the bookstore and the, and the arts festival. Go continue so. doing some people watching. All right, go out yeah. there and get drunk. Absolutely. All right. All right. See you next week. See you. You've been listening to The Wafty Show with Stephen, Aaron, and John. As always, we need to thank Joshua Path for the use of our theme song, Cement Truck, off the album Between Heaven and Jonestown, recorded by the magnificent Kurt PR. Kurt's, Kurt's awesome! That is available on iTunes, CD Baby, and anywhere the internet can be found. Remember, as you go out to visit our local places and events, make sure you take care of those who take care of you. Tip your waiters, waitresses, bartenders, musicians, and artists. They're out there working hard for you. We come out with a new episode every Monday. You can find us on iTunes by searching We Apologize for the Inconvenience, where you can subscribe, rate, and comment. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Wafty Show. Facebook.com slash Wafty Show. We'll see you next week. Woo! I'll be here.